Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts. When it comes to listing your home for sale, everyone and their mom has advice. Oh, honey, who's going to want to buy this place on a cul-de-sac? It's literally a dead end. But for professional advice, a REMAX agent actually knows best. Let's start with a neighborhood analysis. I've been seeing lots of buyers looking to move here. REMAX is the most trusted name in real estate. Visit REMAX.com or download the REMAX app to find the right agent. The right agent can lead the way. Based on 2022 BrandSpark American Trust Study. Each office independently owned and operated. Ditch the clowns on the left. And the jokers on the right. And join Michael Smirconish right here in the middle. This is the Smirconish Podcast for Independent Minds. So the midterm is over. Some of the counting continues. How'd the pollsters do? David Byler is a data analyst and columnist focusing on elections, demographics, ideology, and statistics for the Washington Post. Here's the headline on his piece, the early, he stresses parenthetically, the early verdict, the polls are okay. Hey, David, thank you so much for being here. Make that case because it's not how it feels to me as I reflect on where the mindset of the pundit class and the number crunchers was yesterday or, you know, the red wave that I saw on Drudge's homepage and in other places. Right. Well, I think in retrospect, the pundits kind of got out ahead of the data. If you just look at the polling averages and nothing else, and you tune out the commentary and you just look at the numbers, what you saw from 538 and Real Clear Politics was a very close race with like a one to two point Republican edge in the House. And, you know, we don't have an official call yet, but right now it looks like Republicans are on track to maybe narrowly take control of the House. And if you look at the Senate polls, the exact races that were supposed to be close, Georgia, Arizona, Nevada, those kinds of races are close. And there weren't many big upsets in the red states or the blue states. So I think if you take the numbers at face value, you get a lot clearer picture than if you take all the commentary that sort of happened around it in the days leading up to it. You just transported me back to 2016 because the perception was there was enormous fail in 2016, Hillary versus Trump. But when you looked at the popular vote numbers and then looked at the percentages as they were forecast, they were pretty damn close. The electoral votes, there were mistakes made. Right. I think that's that's a good comparison, because when we get the district by district results back for the House, I think that'll look a little bit unexpected or wonky or there will be some patterns that have people kind of scratching their heads about wait which demographic did what exactly you know there's going to be people like me are going to pour over the details but if you look at just the broad big picture which is what we know the most about right now the polls weren't so bad it was everyone getting ahead of the polls and trying to outguess them and trying to say the data is wrong i need to put my thumb on the scale i think that's what led people to to feel bad or you know, disappointed or what, whatever feeling people are having about the results. 
Real Clear Politics, uh, 53-47 was their last projection. Larry Sabato's crystal ball, Senate pick 51-49, Republican Nate net gain of one, 538, 59 in 100 chances of Republicans winning. I've heard him say it before. I assume that Nate Silver's take would be to say, hey, I told you the probability was roughly 60%, but you chose to overlook the 40% likelihood that it would be Democratic control. I think that's exactly right. And another way to think about this is, you know, imagine you're flipping a coin, but you're right. only flipping it once, right? It's, it's not, it's not the situation where you're flipping a coin a hundred times and you're adding up the total number of heads and total number of tails. The, the election happens once. So, you know, if you say 60% chance, 40% tails and you get one tails, that's the only thing that happens. And honestly, I, I don't think the Sabato projection of 51 Republicans is necessarily going to be that far off. I think given how close elections are in America, if you miss by just a couple Senate seats, it's not a terrible prediction, in my book at least. Do you follow the money? Do you put any stock in the uh, the, the wager wagering that takes place on these races, predict it, or some similar site? I do not. Um, I think in recent years when it comes to predict it and really when it comes to small-dollar donations, uh, people are kind of self-expressing and having a lot of uh, fun or at least, you know, having a lot of emotions. And that directs their decision more than a desire to uh, make money or to propel candidates who have the best shot of winning over the line. So when it comes to the money stuff, I've I've become a lot more skeptical over the last couple of years when it's become more of a pastime and less of a, you know, money winning or election winning game. I heard your explanation that when you look at margin of error and evaluate this data, it's it's not so far off. But I nevertheless want to ask this question. Might there have been some overcompensation for the last two presidential cycles and maybe a midterm, although uh, that doesn't stand out in my mind. I'm thinking 2016, 2020, where the poll, the pollster said we've undervalued the Republican uh, turnout. Best we not do that. And in this case, they overcompensated for past mistakes. Yeah, I mean, I think there might have been some of that. And I think that's exactly why you need to keep an open mind about polling errors and who's going to get underestimated and who's going to get overestimated in a given election. I mean, it's almost like clockwork. You have a situation where all of the commentators say, oh, the polls are underestimating the Republicans, underestimating the Republicans, and then they underestimate the Democrats. And then the exact reverse thing happens where when everyone gets super certain that the polls are going to, you know, underestimate the Democrats, underestimate the Democrats. You have a year like 2014 where the Republicans beat their polls. So it's best just to keep an open mind about it. And I think this election sort of bears out that rule. And finally, I guess there's a reminder in it for someone like me who has access to a microphone, because, look, I'm here 15 hours a week. This is the POTUS channel. This is what we do. So, of course, we're going to parse all of the information right up through the election. I guess I always need to do it with the caveats of, hey, there have been errors in the past, mistakes made. Here's some guidance that was accurate. But in the end, just get out there and vote. Yeah, I mean, I, I have to think about that as well. I mean, I was looking through my own author archive and I, you know, I, I think my my pieces from September were honestly a little bit better than my pieces from October when I had a little bit less information and was looking at things from sort of a more 30,000 foot angle and getting a little bit less granular. 
So I, I think that's exactly right, and I think it's a good reminder for all of us. David Byler from the Washington Post. I'm sure you were up late. Thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate your time. Of course. Thank you. Here's how David's pace begins. Over the past six years, many pundits predicted, even confidently proclaimed, the death of the polling industry. Based on the results of the midterm elections so far, it seems those rumors were greatly exaggerated. Before the election, the 538 aggregate showed a 1.2 percentage point Republican lead in national House polls, and the Real Clear Politics average put the GOP ahead by 2.5 points. In the current House map, which is essentially fair to both parties, that nets out to a small Republican lead. The polls also showed a close race in several Senate contests, with both parties standing a good chance of winning the upper chamber. So far, the initial results, though still incomplete, roughly match that picture. This is the Smirconish Podcast from SiriusXM. Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen gather the country's top experts to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available now wherever you get your podcasts. Listen to Michael live weekdays on POTUS, Sirius XM channel 124 and on the SXM app. All right. Lightning round beginning with Jim in Dallas. Hey, Jim, thoughts? Go ahead. My thought is this, um, and I do a lot of digital and consumer marketing. And I will tell you it's easier to do survey research on anything from a sports team to a, a sack of potato chips to a soda than it is to model and weigh and do survey research on an election. I think people are, there are certain people within certain constituencies that are wary of political polling and answering it and don't do it. And then how do you weigh the Republican response or the Democratic response? And frankly speaking, I, I don't think enough attention is paid to the response of the independent or declined to state party person. In other words, I'm not going to lie about a, preference for potato chips but if you start asking me about r's and d's and i's then all of a sudden i get a little touchy well you're yeah you're getting sensitive because who are you are you know what's your motive here all that kind of thing but all somebody says listen we want to do these flavors of potato chips you know and if you wonder why those flavor of potato chips get on the shelves 
This totally, totally gone. understood. Yeah, totally understood. <laughs> uh, thank you, Jim. Appreciate it very much. Larry, you're in Fort Lauderdale. Thinking what today? The answer is why. Why do we need polling? Polling does nothing more than provide you with a snapshot today. So Joe does poll number one, Mary does poll number two, and Sam does poll number three. And people like you and on television take time to talk about polls rather than the issues. So my question is, why do we need polling? Well, we need it for our elected representatives to know what the will of the people is. Take elections out of it, right? If, if you're in office, don't you want to know what the public desires? Um, there are lots of ways to get those answers other than paying a company to reach out to 100 or 1,000 random people. It's Larry, just a in, a, in, a, in a perfect world for the, for the good of elections and democracy, you might be right that it, it's more destructive than adds value. I don't know how you get rid of it, though. You certainly couldn't stop people from polling audiences. Don, you're in Louisiana thinking what today? DeSantis will run against Trump. He will beat Trump regardless, and I'm a Trump supporter, but he will beat Trump regardless of how many people in it, and, this is the re- and he will win the general election with huge coattails, and this is why. No matter, how, no matter party- how large the field, you think that DeSantis, imagine, imagine for sake of argument that, that Pompeo gets in and Pence gets in and Chris Christie gets in, and I can't even think of who else, Nikki Haley, although I would never believe, and now you still think, yeah. He clobbers them all, and this is the reason why. The reason Trump won was because, as, the, as a grassroots person and many people, we got tired of the Republicans prior to the Trump presidency coming in and going, oh, we're going to fight, we're going to fight. And as soon as the media put, threw a little slap their way, they went, oh, my God, and they cowered. Trump showed, them how, Trump showed the party how to fight against the mainstream media. DeSantis perfected it. He picks his fights. He fights against the media. And he throws good punches, and he wins a lot of battles because he's strategic. He did the it's, one thing Donald Trump did not do. He was strategic in, in, in his fights and won, but never backed down. That's how he beats Trump. That's how he wins the general, and that's how he has huge coattails. It's hard to argue with you on this day. On this day, armed with the kind of data that we see coming out of Florida, it's hard to argue with that. A a thread from Maggie Haberman that I think you'll find really interesting. She just tweeted, Trump is indeed furious this morning, particularly about Mehmet Oz, and is blaming everyone who advised him to back Oz, including his wife, Uh describing it as not not her best decision, according to people. Not not her best decision. Not her best decision. Not her best. According to people close to him. There, there's another one that a lot of people are picking up on. There are people pushing Trump to reschedule his announcement next week. Yes. And several R's, has, R's have texted him asking whether he will, but it's risky and would be acknowledging he's wounded by yesterday, something that some of his advisors insist is not the case. Worth remembering, last point from Maggie, worth remembering that Trump is a grown man who endorsed Oz over the objection of some of the people closest to him and instead went beyond just endorsing and attacked Dave McCormick from the stage at a rally. It's a week from last night, right? Right. The 15th. At Mar-a-Lago. A week from last night is the is the save the date. Will he back off from that timeline? I don't think that he will as I'm as I'm thinking about it today because of that point about weakness and remember why he's doing it he's doing it not just to advance himself as 
a Republican nominee or advance himself toward the nomination. He's doing it because he thinks he's going to get a level of protection against Merrick Garland and others by announcing. Uh, Jim, Glendale, Arizona. Greetings. What did you want to say? Hey, Michael. Um, Just something I hadn't heard anybody talk about in the calculus of everything that's going on. What if the Supreme Court and all the backroom deals that went along with it to try and get Roe v. Wade overturned. Why didn't they wait till after the midterms to take some of the wind out of the sails of everyone that was uh, all up in arms about it being overturned? Okay, that is like the most cynical view of the Supreme Court that I've heard expressed because you, you are totally buying into the idea now that they are acting with a political objective. Yes? Um, well, whether or not it was... Uh, politically motivated just within the calculus of everything that went on um do you think it would have made a difference but i'm i'm just saying okay so now there's a second question the second question is what if what if abortion had not been decided pre-midterm but let's say this coming june it were decided it would have it would have it would have teed it up as a more fundamental issue in the presidential election but i was simply trying to disabuse you of the idea uh, that they sit there and think of the politics, because I really don't believe that. I know others will disagree with me, but I don't believe that that Squiggy and Squee and Amy Coney Barrett and company are sitting there saying, all right, let's just map this out now politically. What was that guy's name at the Kegger TC? Do you remember? Uh, hang on. I, I feel like I was at that party 100 years Brett ago. Kavanaugh. This is Liberal Paul from Friends. Bucks County, Pennsylvania. Liberal Paul, what is most right, on your mind? Zero. Yeah. And I've got a take on what happened. I can explain Florida and the national results. Go. Very simple. Why did DeSantis do so great in Florida and Republicans did so terribly everywhere else? It's because every stupid person in America has moved to Florida. They've emptied it out, and they're all filled in Florida now. And that last fellow who thinks that DeSantis is the future of the Republican Party, I got to tell you, DeSantis is probably going to get the nod, uh, but, uh, but, and he will probably beat Trump, and it will be so ugly. It will be exactly what the Republicans deserve, a shit show. And who, they're going to get it. Trump's going to give it to him. And last night I was reveling in it because this was probably the single worst night, worst turn of events for Donald Trump. He's done. Who is the give me the name, one name. Give me the Democrat who defeats DeSantis in a hypothetical general election. I will tell you right now, uh, a Gavin Newsom defeats him. Well, that would be one for the ages. That would be that would be one for the ages. That would be that would be like uh, some East Coast West Coast rap stuff, right? It would be perfect. It'd be a Super Bowl. Mitch Landrew defeats him. I don't think he could uh, win I, the I, nomination. I don't think he yeah, could win. I think he's an impressive guy. Absolutely, and I, I got another name for you. That just keep this out there. Go ahead. A guy by the name of Tim Ryan. He's a congressman from Ohio. I've heard of him. Um, yes. Tell me guy, more. Yes. Mm-hmm. That guy could actually, even though he's just a congressman from Ohio, and I believe he had a terrible run a couple of years ago when he tried to be president. Uh, but yeah. that guy ran probably the, the the most perfect campaign of any Democrat. And it's you way, replicate that yeah. across the country out of a state better than Ohio, and you're done. 
Yeah, Ohio is is just not as uh, as doable as it, I agree with you on Ryan, and I find him to be a, a very impressive guy. I got to run, Paul. Thank you for that. I appreciate it. Paul thinks it was a uh, disastrous night for Donald Trump. This is the Smirconish Podcast from SiriusXM. Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts. Listen to Michael live weekdays on POTUS, Sirius XM Channel 124, and on the SXM app. Uh, Hakeem, Frisco, Texas, a Democrat who only watches Fox News. Hi, Hakeem. Hello. I I don't only watch Fox News, but last night I only watched the Fox News postgame. I ah. thought it was important to get to get to see what is it they're going to say, and I got to yeah. be completely. I got to be honest. For those who didn't see it, these are these are the news folks. This is not opinion guys. This is news right. folks. They gave real and true opinion. I don't know if you can find the sound bite, the sound bite, Michael, but Michael Mark Thiessen went in on the Republican Party because they were expecting an enormous, enormous election. I mean, they're still going to win the House. But have fun, Kevin McCarthy, trying to gather all those folks around. But they gave true, real analysis of what went right, what went wrong for the for the Republicans, what went right, what went wrong for the Democrats. So I know what CNN, I know what MSNBC are going to say. I get that. I bypass it. I wanted to see what is no, somebody hey, I'm, else. I'm say? like I'm like you. And, I I and, go looking because yeah. I too I want to know, and uh, I. I watched the clip that you're making reference to. I didn't see it in real time, but it was written up in Mediaite. It says this conservative Washington Post columnist Mark Thiessen was quite displeased during a discussion about the midterm elections as the results rolled in. Republicans hoped a red wave would sweep them into power, yada, yada, yada. Let me get to the quote. Uh, Yep. Okay. Thiessen hedged on his answer in a Fetterman related question. Quote, I think it may have, but it wouldn't have. There's a broader issue. This is this is the heart of what you wanted to say. There's a broader issue, exactly. and a, yep. which is think about this. We had the worst inflation in four decades, the worst collapse of real wages in 40 years, the worst crime wave yep. since the 90s, the worst border crisis in U.S. history. We have Joe Biden, who is the least popular president since Harry yep. Truman, <laughs> since polling happened. Um, that is a searing indictment of the Republican Party. That is a searing indictment of the message that That's we've right. been sending 
listening to the voters. They looked at all of that. They looked at Republican alternatives and said, no, thanks. We don't. And, and one thing I want to say to you, I think that and that was a key thing that I thought about. And you even mentioned this, Michael, and your callers mentioned this this week as far as, OK, well, what alternative are the Republicans providing? And you even said, well, they really don't have to because they're not the party in power. And I think what voters did, they looked at the two parties like, yeah, I'm not really happy about this. But, OK, Republicans, what are you guys going to do? Oh, I don't know. You haven't said anything that you're going to do. And I think that's one key play. Additionally. Um, even on Fox, and I found this interesting, they even said, you know, we see this border thing where we have our people at the border all the time and, and immigration and all that. And in their polling, whether it's immigration or crime, those were not the key items. I think when it comes to crime, I don't live in New York, so no disrespect to anybody who gets thrown in front of a train. That doesn't affect me in Texas. Same thing in Philly. Same thing with, with in San Francisco, people breaking into a Louis Vuitton. Crime is local. And I think trying to nationalize it may it, it does not always resonate. Hakeem, there was a uh, there was a part of the early evening where the exit data showed here are the top five considerations. Exactly. And and exactly. not in the top five, not in the top five was anything January six right. or democracy related. But I have a sneaking suspicion that that issue and President Obama talking about it in the final couple of days was more yep. on the minds of people than we would have expected. And I, I, I need a few days to go off the clock when there's more exit polling to study. But I think that may have played a larger role than anticipated. And, Michael, the last thing I will say to you is that with, with all that we heard last year and the year before about CRT, did yeah. CRT just kind of go away into like a thief in the night? Didn't hear about that too much. I guess that was maybe made up. So that's been a little funny for today. Yeah, I hear you. Well, nobody's nobody's <laughs> nobody's teaching it. It's one of those issues that like somebody thinks of, and then all of a sudden it becomes a boogeyman. But you know that. Thank you, sir. Appreciate your phone call. This is Brian in Maine. Brian, what did you most want to say about last night? Uh, Michael, I, I I love your show. I'm a longtime listener. It's the best show on radio. And Sirius, as a service to the country, Sirius should put you guys like the replay on AMFM for free across the country. <laughs> right. Hakeem, Hakeem was like, like building on what he said. He was fantastic. Um, and really, I just building on what he said. I just want to say that I don't see this. Uh, America spoke yesterday, and I don't see this as a support for the Democratic policies, but rather as a referendum on MAGA Trump world. And, and we're just done with corruption and lies. But the Dems, I really think the Dems would make a mistake. They would serve themselves better if they paid less attention to the woke and gender issues. Now's the time for them to focus on those issues you just talked about. Crime, border, energy independence, uh, economy. Uh, these, these are the issues that the common person in America is concerned about. Well, and the Dems okay. need to be the leaders on those issues. I expect that the president is going to be heard from today. It'll be interesting to see how he presents the result of the election and and whether he takes your advice. I think your advice would be sound. Whether he'll do that, I don't know. I do not know. I think it's also, I mean, the, the more time that kicks off the clock and I can get my head together, I think this was really a difficult night for Trump. And the idea that he's going to freeze the field and intimidate the prosecutors by announcing next week is not going to wash. And if I'm Ron DeSantis... I can't wait for... I yeah, can't go ahead. Wait for his announcement, it's the best thing for the Dems. Let let Trump run. Let him be the front runner. The Dems. Are, I don't care who they're going to put in office in two years, but if Trump runs, Dems win. 
I mean, where where can Trump look? I know he made lots of endorsements. I know there because there, you know, he could do that just to sort of stack the deck in circumstances that were already likely to go for the Republican Party. But where in a high profile race? I'm about to answer my own question. Can he point and say, well, there's someone I anointed? I guess J.D. Vance, although I don't think of Ohio as being as as purple as we used to. It's more like Florida now. Um, I guess I'm saying whomever would have been put in that role would probably have won that race. No disrespect to Tim Ryan, who I think is a really talented uh, uh, guy and ran a hell of a race himself, but came up came up short. But it, you can look around the country and you can say, well, here are individuals that Trump. I mean, Doug Mastriano, Doug Mastriano, who ran for governor and lost by 12 points to Josh Shapiro. That's a that's a Trump pick. Oz was a Trump pick. Blake Masters is a is a Trump pick. The whole situation in Georgia. I mean, do people forget the Republicans would have controlled the Senate for the last two years and Georgia would be in GOP hands? I'm absolutely convinced. But for Trump's meddling. So what's about to happen? He's probably got a hold on roughly 30 percent of the GOP. If you're Yunkin, if you're DeSantis, if you're even the lesser Republican candidates like a Chris Christie, I think you're now eager to get in. The problem is, if more than one of you get in, then he takes his 30 percent and he wins the nomination. Uh, Stan, New Jersey, what did you most want to say? Hi. As a, Hi. as a lifelong moderate Republican, I think last night's results were actually good for America. How and so? I'd, I'd rather see... I'd rather see Republicans with 50 Senate seats and Donald Trump diminished than 53 Senate seats with Donald Trump empowered. Interesting. And if we can see the end of Trump, I think it's good for America. If it were a 53-47 and Blake Masters won and Mehmet Oz won and uh, Adam Laxalt won, although he may end up defeating Cortez. But I get your point. And now you've empowered Donald Trump instead of the kind of conversation we're having, which is, wow, could he really go ahead and still announce a week from last night? Michigan, this is Trip. What did you most want to say? Well, I just want to say thank you, voters, not politicians, because you ended gerrymandering in our state. And we're not Ohio and we're not Wisconsin. And you can look at the map and Grand Rapids is blue and just a lot of good things. Of course, we had Prop 3 in Michigan. The uh, abortion rights got enshrined into the Constitution, almost 60-40. And so it was a very popular election. Um, but without the gerrymandering, uh, we're getting better quality candidates. And I think we'll have less extremism all around if there's less gerrymandering. What a great uh, okay. What a, what a, what a great postcard from Michigan on the benefits of getting rid of gerrymandering. To which I will simply add this: you've heard it me. You've heard me say it before, but it's important to say: uh, don't overlook self-sorting. Do not overlook self-sorting. There's a problem out there that is beyond the redrawing of boundary lines every ten years, and it's the way that we are not mingling. Bill Maher's word with one another and and living bubbled existences on the left and on the right and in the middle too hear more of michael smirconish on sirius xm's potus channel 124 live weekdays from 9 a.m to noon east or anytime on the sxm app connect with michael on facebook twitter youtube and at smirconish.com michael smirconish for independent minds 
Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts.